Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the H2P Podcast here on DKPittsburghSports.com. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and we are here on a Sunday talking about your Pitt Panthers. Now, this is going to be a different kind of episode. We'll talk about Pitt basketball in the second episode. They, they got their butts whooped again. What, what, what else am I going to say? But they're getting ready for the ACC tournament, so I'll talk about that, even though we know they're not going to be there long. But hey, there's something else I think could be interesting about that. But, point being, the Combine, technically still going on. Damari Mathis still has to run. That's actually kind of cool. I think that if he he could excel in this, and this could actually boost his stock to make, if he does this right, he could make himself as high as a fourth-round pick this year, and I think that would be very cool for him and Pitt to see that. Um, I also think it's going to be interesting because uh, there's a potential there with Pitt cornerbacks. You think about quick Pitt cornerbacks that are just, or Pitt defensive backs, excuse me, that are just floating around the league right now. You got Dane Jackson and Damar Hamlin in Buffalo. Jason Pinnock with the New York Jets, Vontae Maddox with the Eagles. I could be missing a few more, but um, none of those guys are like Darrell Revis. But you're getting guys to the NFL, and people will see that, and that's another aspect of recruiting that can help you. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about Kenny! Kenny Pickett. Two gloves. Because everyone wants to talk about his small hands. I'm not here to do that. You've been talked to death about that. You probably listened to the radio. And to every other podcast, and to every other TV show, and all they're talking about is Kenny Pickett's hands. I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about why, I, how I think he can still be QB1, but also acknowledge the deficiencies or the problems in his game that could that are hurting him the most. And it has maybe this is part of this. Maybe this is a symptom of his hand size, but I doubt it. And I'll explain why. Now. Back to my whole thing about him being QB1. I still think he puts together the the full the fullest package of ready and available players in this NFL draft of all the quarterbacks that if you started him on day one, he would give you your best shot. Because at least from what I've seen, he's the most consistent when throwing within his range of, you know, 0 to 20 yards. He has the accuracy there. He reads defenses, and he combines that with athleticism. And gives you that full package. And I still think that if you put if you put him in a good offense with a good offensive line, a run game that doesn't force him to have to do too much, 
and a couple good targets, he could he could do well. Now, he doesn't have the highest ceiling. I still think that's Malik Willis. Willis, with his athleticism, he has a cannon, and he has speed. Those are the things that, that, that can end up making him better than Kenny Pickett. But I don't think, I think that he has a lot more work to do to be NFL ready right now. And that's why Kenny, I still think, can go first of all the quarterbacks. You know, maybe Matt Core will be in that discussion if he didn't get hurt during his bowl game. Maybe. I still don't think he would. I think Desmond Ritter did help his case, but he's still more of a guy I see in the second round. Kenny's that guy. But the one thing holding Kenny back, it's not his hand size. It's not his 4'6", 740, because that was actually pretty good. It's not his height. It's his arm strength. It's what I've been saying for a while now. You listen to this podcast, that was the one thing that I would say was a hang-up back, back in the middle of October when I was covering this team and we were just then figuring out, wait a second, is Pitt actually good this year? Are they, like, going to do it? Are they going to win the ACC? That's, that's when I was seeing, like, oh, this is a consistent problem. Because in years past, I mean, Kenny was throwing 13 touchdowns. Uh, funny, funny trivia for, for, for Pitt fans. Kenny Pickett literally threw back-to-back seasons of 13 touchdowns and 9 interceptions before throwing the most touchdowns in the history of the ACC as far as a quarterback goes with 42 this year. I, you can't convince nobody, you can't convince me, convince me nothing about that wasn't just him trolling West Virginia for two years to truly honor the 2007 Pitt Panthers. Anyways, back to my point that I'm actually making here. Um, Kenny Pickett, in what he what he, what he he showed you, he, could, he was really good throwing the deep ball in college. And I didn't notice it for the, to the first two months of play because I was overlooking it because I'm like, man, he's hitting these deep balls. Jordan Addison, they can't stop him. Jared Wayne, Taysier Mack, they're killing people. This offense is just taking people's heads off. But it wasn't until later in the the more and more I looked at those deep balls and I was like, hmm, these aren't the deep balls that are going to win you in the NFL. Because he can get them there. But they got to have more air under him. Which makes you have to be that much more pinpoint accurate. And also gives time for defenders to get there. And make more plays on it. Now in college football, you can get away with that more often. That's why they call it being college open. That's why Mason Rudolph looked spectacular at times at Oklahoma State. Because guys were college open. And in college, when you're talking about college open, you know, Kenny, his best deep throws were when he found the one-on-one coverages, oftentimes because because teams would, would you know, they, they, it would become to like a third and short, and teams would be like, okay, let's try to take away the run. And then teams would underestimate Jordan Addison and leave him in one-on-one coverage, and all he had to do was beat his man to one spot. Make sure that that man is either behind him, to the, shaded to the left of him, or shaded to the right of him, and Kenny Pickett would throw it to the side that he's not on. And Jordan Addison was good enough to go up and come down with it. But in the NFL, you don't get as many of those opportunities deep down the field. And even when you do, if you put enough air under it, those NFL cornerbacks and safeties, they'll catch up to it. And I said this when he played in the Senior Bowl, because I felt like he, he did a good Senior Bowl. Some people say it bad. I was like, I thought he did a good Senior Bowl because he still completed his passes. But that one deep ball he threw was way underthrown. Even though it was caught. And then in the Combine... Drills, I was not concerned with his hand size. I was not concerned. I, his 40 was actually interesting to watch. I, I, I was curious to see that. And 4, 6, 7, good time. 
But I was most concerned with in those throwing drills when they were doing because he, he was going to nail the the curls, the hooks, the outs, the ins. He was going to nail all those intermediate passing routes. I was like, Kenny's going to show his footwork's going to be going to be impeccable. His his, his timing's going to be right there. He'll have that. But on the deep balls, I was like, okay. How's he going to do here? And on those deep balls, the passes were hanging a bit, just like I saw him hang most of the season. And again, in college, don't matter as much. In the NFL, trust me, it will. Go If you want to see an example, go back and look at that the interception he threw towards the end of the Miami game. Not that it was a poor, not that, not that he stinks or anything, but it was one of those situations where he had to fit it in, and it was a tough throw for him to make, and it hung a little bit because it was a deep ball. In the NFL, if you're going to throw those, those 30, 40-yard passes, you gotta put, you got to be able to put more zip on him. And I'm just not sure if Kenny has that zip in his game. You can still succeed without that zip in your game, but it's going to need to be a part of how you game plan. A lot more RPO, a lot more horizontal game planning, and less vertical. And when occasionally you can get vertical when teams start to sell out because you're such a good run team or a good RPO team or a good horizontal, you know, passing team that you're that they have to devote so much to stopping you within that 20 yards frame that eventually you do get those really good one-on-ones and guys are so open downfield that you can you could put the air under it and the def- defense won't get to it but that takes a lot of work to do that's gonna be kenny's biggest challenge is selling people on that that i can do that but like i've said time and time again he is the best at reading defenses in this class he is the best at, at being consistent he is a warrior he is a leader he is a lovable dude you interview him you're like that's my guy that, to me, makes him QB1 in this class. That's who I think that the teams are going to say, like, you know what, we'll take the shot on this guy. Yeah, sure, he's not he's not Joe Burrow. He doesn't have a cannon. He doesn't have, you know, he's not, he's not lightning fast. He's not super tall. But he's got the traits and a leader. And trust me, there's organizations that want just that in their quarterback. And they'll take the accuracy to go with it. So Kenny's QB1. But just know when people start talking to hand size about you, wave that off. Look at arm strength. See how he measures up to that. All right. That's how I, what I got to say about Kenny. I want to talk about pit hoops for a second because they had a rough one Saturday. But ACC tournament's coming. My thoughts on that next. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here on the H2P Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Continue to talk about your Pitt Panthers here on the GKPittsburghSports.com podcast platform. Remember to subscribe to us. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the places. We're doing really, we're doing really well. Now, Pitt basketball. 
I know I just went from joy and Kenny Pickett and celebrate celebratory things to pit basketball. There's another clobbering. I'm not gonna go over that. It's not what I'm here to waste your time on. Notre Dame shot the lights out. Pitt didn't. Blah 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 blah. You've heard me talk about this these type of losses all season long. It is the third straight loss of more than 20 points. It's also the third straight game where Pitt was down by double digits for more than half the game. What I am here to talk to you about, though, is for them come up in the ACC tournament. There are certain things that I think are actually actually important to either show or see in what Jeff Capel's doing. Now, for those who are already like, hey, fire him now, I'm telling you, it ain't, that ain't going to work. There's 15 to $17 million of buyout money they'd have to come up with, and that just ain't happening, especially after they bought out Kevin Stallings for a boatload of money. Plus, I think that if you did that now, you'd be hitting the reset, reset button again, and... You and you're only doing your you're not doing yourself any favors. You're gonna lose the sophomores that you have now. But if Jeff doesn't want to lose these guys before next season even starts, I do think there's some important things that we need to see. One, and I don't know this this could be nothing. This could be something. But of course, if you watch the game or if you just read about the game, I wrote about the game on DKPittsburghSports.com. You know that. Femi Okali didn't start the game. Now, if you read it, you you know because I you know we asked about Jeff Capel about it after the game, and Jeff Capel said when you're late to a to, to a team meeting, you don't start. And Femi was late to a meeting, and Femi did play. He did play. I mean, he played a good portion of the game, so it wasn't like he was banned. But of course, everyone started thinking on their minds when they saw Femi wasn't starting. Oh boy, is this the start of the transfers? Is this how it's happening? And I don't think it is. It might be. Who knows? Maybe maybe Femi's starting to check out, and he's like, ah, I could do better somewhere else. The transfer portal's weird. I still don't have a gauge on how players will use it. I, I, I do get a sense that this team is a lot, a million times more together than last year's team. There were just divisions there that just wasn't going to buffer out. But again, I, I think the big thing here for Jeff is about making sure that sophomore class stays together and he builds around that. I think Femi has potential, but he has to unlock it. I think this team needs a true, a true one, a true point guard who could be dynamic, distribute the ball, scare people with his dribble. I think Jamarius Burton's a good, you know, option to help with that, but they need a guy who's going to take over that position. And Femi just, he's not the facilitator yet. I think Femi has the potential to get there someday. Because remember, he has three more. Him and Hughley and Collier and Jeffress all have three years of eligibility left. Ithiel Horton has two. So there's still room to build with these guys. But you got to build with them. Hughley took big steps this year. I, 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 he, we saw, I saw the growth in Hughley that I wanted to see. Jeffress, I still don't know what that kid is doing on offense. He needs to get his he needs to, to to get his confidence up and just go go in there swinging. Collier I think has more of a less of a confidence, you know, more of a he's just not that good on offense, but Jeff needs to see these guys 
and all the guys that are going to be there next year put up a good fight in this ACC tournament. They're getting Boston College, a team that they split with. And the only time they lost, well, the one time that they lost to college, Boston College, was the snowstorm game that got pushed back a day and they got pushed back another like two hours and then they only got like 15 minutes to warm up for it and they didn't even have Jeff Capel during that game because he got COVID 15 minutes before their flight took off. Or tested positive for COVID, whatever. That's a team they can beat if they play their style of basketball. But they haven't played their style of basketball in a while now. They were on a really nice three-game win streak in February. And to me, that saved a lot of these conversations because you know what? If they didn't win those three games, it'd be really hard for me to sit here and say, listen, man, $15 million is a lot of money. Without the, and that may that may sound crazy. Like Chris, are you really saying three million, three wins was worth fifteen million dollars? I'm like, not exactly, but it would have been harder to defend not spending the, the buyout money if you didn't see those games where they were fighting back. But after these last four straight losses they've suffered, and now three of them by twenty or more points. If Pitt can, and granted, these were some tough teams that they played. Georgia Tech was the team they should have beat. That was I said that back then. They should have beaten Georgia Tech at home. That was a team that that was the last team that they should have beaten. I knew Miami, Duke, Notre Dame. Though that was a gauntlet. That was going to be a rough stretch. And if they got any of those games to be close, I think it would have been a, a, you know a, worthy of applause. But they did. But now you have the opportunity to play one of those teams that's on your level. You know, Notre Dame shoots the lights out. Miami is extremely athletic and pushes the ball and pressures you every second. And if you don't control the ball well, you're in trouble. And Pitt doesn't control the ball well. That's their that's their crypto night. Duke is just the best. Though it is crazy how after Pitt upset North Carolina, and this is why I said that upset was huge, Pitt's gone 0-4, North Carolina's gone 5-0. And that 5-0 includes beating Duke at in, in their crib, silencing the Cameron Crazies, and beating Mike Krzyzewski in his last ever game at his home at his home arena. Which, I mean, it was just beautiful to watch. If you enjoy seeing pain on the faces of those who have been top dogs in sports for so long, you had a good time watching Duke fans cry after that loss. But point being, back to my point about Pitt. This was a gauntlet that they were not going to... I said from the jump, they weren't probably going to win any of these games. They needed to see if they could put up a fight. They didn't put up a fight. What will tell me something about this team and Jeff Capel is can they get back to where they were during that three-game win streak and even other periods of the season where they went like, you know, three and three between January 8th to January 25th. Like that stretch of games. If they can get back to playing that kind of defense that won those games and the kind of offense that said, hey, we're figuring things out. And doing that after this stretch is important, is, is, would be very telling. And that, that, that's what's truly, that would be truly special about this. And I don't think it should be overlooked. Because it's one thing to get there, it's one to get there and think, hey, we get, we're figuring it out. But when you're an athlete and you're a young, especially a young one, you're in college. Because I think this would even go for pros. And you're a team that's trying to figure out its identity. And you think you maybe have finally found it. And then for about a, about two weeks, 
over multiple games, you're getting thrashed. I mean, Pitt's getting thrashed in these games. It is it is easy. It is it is easy to forget about the progress that you made. It is it is difficult to re to retain and say, let's get back to what we've been doing. Let's refocus. Let's understand we have this in us to play the game this way and to win these games this way. It ain't easy to do that. It'd be very easy for these guys to pack it in and say, hey, you know what? We're in Brooklyn for a day. Let's hang out. Let's just enjoy this, uh, get our butts kicked, and be, head back home. It, it'd be easy for guys to check out on a season they know is already lost. But if Jeff gets these guys to ball, and play the kind of basketball that that we that he preached and the kind of basketball that we've heard about and that we've seen them play at times. That to me would be a nice little step to say, hey, guys, you see? Even after all those trouncings we just took, there is something here. Don't check out. Get right back to work. Take a week off. You you, you know, get ice up. But start getting ready for next season because there's going to be, you know, I, I foresee Jeff going in the transfer portal and getting some interesting people to come to pit to reload. But I also think it would be important just for the sake of the program to get an ACC tournament win this year. His first two years, Jeff Capel at least got one and then was bounced. Last year, they didn't get that one. And granted, last year they were dealing with, well, <laughs> the majority of their scoring just left the team before the season ended. And that was difficult. I give them the benefit of the doubt there. But this year, Boston College, you could beat that team. You have beaten that team. Go out and prove you could do it again. And next year, when you get Nike Sabandi back, Jamarius Burton back, John Hughley back, probably Femi Odakali back, Ithiel Horton back, Noah Collier, William Jeffress, all those guys. Unfortunately, I don't get Muhammadu Gee back, man. That guy works hard. He's a really good individual. He's a fine, fine young man. I, I wish nothing but the best for that dude. I hope that some NBA team sees his 6'10", 6'11", frame with all those blocking and the three-point shooting and the driving ability and gives him a shot after the draft. I don't think he'd get drafted, but I think that if he if he got on somewhere, someone could say, hey, we could use that, and he could find himself a professional basketball career. And he deserves it. He's a good, he's a good man. I like him. But everybody else, you could bring back. And you can find places for transfer portal dudes. And man, again, if you a if you show in this in this in this ACT tournament, at least with this one win, just get yourself one tournament win that shows that hey, this was this was real. This wasn't a fluke that we had for like a quick stretch in, at the end of February, at the middle of February. There, this is real. Guys buy into it. It sets a different tone. And then we can get to talking about what they need to do in the offseason. So I know some people are probably out there saying, why would I even bother? Why do I even care? But this is why you should care. Because if you're hoping, I, I said, I told you way back in April and March, when I was doing podcasts, while I was in North Carolina on vacation, on this very show, telling y'all this year was not about this year. And, I've, and if you listen to this show, you listen to it every week, I've been saying it almost every time I type a piss about it. this year is not about this year. It's about next year. And the years after, it's about setting the foundation. 
And during the during the parts of the season where we saw Pitt's defense step up, where we saw guys start to buy in and understand, hey, there's something here, that was the foundation. Now Jeff's just got to show, to remind these guys, hey, this foundation does work. Get that one win. And I'm telling you, Pitt fans, you get that foundation, if you start to see the turnaround, I'm not saying that you will. I'm not saying that next year's the year and, it, and then they'll they'll go and be ACC champs. I'm not I'm not saying all that. Don't put words in my mouth. But I am telling you that if you see if you see guys start to step it up next year, if they win this game and you see them start stepping up next year, you'll thank yourself for going and saying, "Hey, I remember when they played that Boston College game after they had gotten shellacked for like two weeks. I remember that how how greedy that team was and how resilient they were after that moment." And then you could be like, I was there for that, and I was there for when we started to see a turnaround for Pitt basketball. And who knows? Maybe that turnaround's nowhere in sight, and maybe they got to let go of Jeff Capel in the next few years to get there. Who knows? But I do think that there's a chance that we start to see some bit of a turnaround next year. Because if, if it's not next year, I do think Jeff's in a lot of trouble. But I do think Heatherlight's going to give him that grace. I think that she'll let him build, continue to build the team his own way. But she's going to tell him, you better get some dudes because we're running out of time. I'm running out of time. You know, the HTTP podcast, I'm actually over my time. But I wanted to just talk with y'all about that. That's what I'm trying to see. I know some people are like, why would I even bother with an ACC tournament? It's Tuesday at 2 p.m. Who cares at that point? Well, I'll care because I'll be covering it. Thanks again for sticking with me for all you pit loyal fans that ride with us to the HTP podcast thanks so much it means a lot to me when y'all comment and y'all hit me up on twitter at carter critiques and let me know what you think about the show or about the team or about my coverage it does mean a lot here and it means a lot to us at dkpittsburghsports.com that you guys ride with us so stick with us we got a lot more great shows coming up you know the daily shots are back we got the ramon foster show coming y'all ramon foster all day every day well more like afternoons but you know what i mean He's going to be joining the network. A lot of great stuff here at DKPittsburghSports.com. Stay tuned. I'm Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. Follow on work on Pitt, on the University of Pittsburgh football and basketball teams at DKPittsburghSports.com. I'll be giving you some coverage on the ACC tournament and with spring practices over, that'll be done, but they'll be back soon enough. Stay tuned. I'll keep you updated on all your Pitt Panthers news.